This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. I'd like to thank the folks who made last week's show possible. Some additional help was required because yours truly was in Honduras. But I'm uh, back now and we'll have some stories to tell about uh, my visit to El Salvador and Honduras. By a stroke of luck, uh, we happened to arrive in San Salvador as they were ramping up for an election. An election won, it turned out, last weekend by the leftist FMLN party. We'll talk a little bit about that in our second segment today. In fact, I'm pleased to note that while riding the chicken bus that connected the Honduran crossroads town of Entrada with the Copan Ruinas site, which is, by the way, spectacular, on the local bus I ran into a rather uh, garrulous Nicaraguan gentleman named David. David uh, wishes to be our Central American correspondent, and by God, we're going to make him that. He had a lot to say about Nicaragua in particular and Central America in general, and we're looking forward to getting his take on what uh, transpired in El Salvador. But uh, I'll certainly give you my uh, my version of events here in segment two, and perhaps next week we'll uh, have David sign in uh, with his observations. But uh, I've got a lot of catching up to do here, so let us begin the show as we like to do with On This Date in History. Our date in question is March the 19th, but I do want to note that tomorrow, March 20th, marks the sixth anniversary of our fiasco in Iraq. It's hard to believe that six years have gone by since hostilities began with the shock and awe campaign of bombing the hell out of Baghdad. But it was indeed uh, six orbits of the Earth around the sun where I was sitting in front of this microphone and the news came over CNN that they maybe, they maybe had just taken Saddam Hussein out with a big blockbusting bomb. The implication was that we may have gotten him on the first strike here and the war is as good as over. Well, not quite. In fact, the Iraq war is headed for being our longest lasting war. But we'll have to look that up. I think it is, is closing in on the Revolutionary War. Uh, which was something like seven years. But, of course, for two of those years, there was almost no fighting going on. No, the Iraq War is now America's costliest war, having exceeded the costs of World War II. Uh, A stat we've mentioned before in this program, but one, I think, that bears uh, being mentioned again and again till it sinks into the national psyche. But anyway, it's March 19th about which we're speaking. And it was on March 19th, in the year 1227, that Hugo de Senyi succeeds Honorius as Pope Gregory IX. He established the Papal Inquisition, which became infamous for its pursuit, torture, and murder of people suspected of heresy. On a slightly nicer note regarding Catholicism, this is the traditional day, St. John's Day, in which the swallows are said to miraculously return to their nesting sites in the mission of San Juan Capistrano here in California. 
Of course, I'm quite certain if you went down yesterday to San Juan Capistrano with some bird seed, you'd find that the swallows were there all along. All right, it was on uh, March 19th in 1604 that the first Parliament of King James I convened and proved to be a rather thorny challenge for the absolutist English king. On this same date in the year 1800, in what's described as a zoological version of Benjamin Franklin's flying his kite in a lightning storm, the German naturalist Alexander von Humboldt captured some electric eels in South America and received some nasty bioelectric shocks while he was investigating them. And on this date in 1842, in what must be a landmark in the history of marketing, French writer Honoré de Balzac's play, Las Resources de Quinola, opened to an empty house, thanks to a failed publicity stunt. Hoping to create a buzz for the play, the writer circulated a rumor that tickets were sold out. Unfortunately, most of his fans then stayed home. On this date in 1877, the Ottoman Parliament opened in Istanbul. This assembly survived only a year before the Sultan eliminated it. Perhaps he took a lesson from the English King James I. And finally, it was on this date, March 19th in 1931, the state of Nevada, hoping to lift itself out of the Great Depression, voted to legalize gambling in the state legislature. While on my trip, my uh, companion Gordon pointed out that study after study after study has shown that gambling is a net loser from the society in which it operates. The only way it's able to really benefit an area is if you import your gamblers from somewhere else and then they leave, which Nevada's managed to do brilliantly. And anyone who thinks all of these uh, Indian casinos in California are a boon to the economy, well, I suggest you do as I did a few weeks back and go check one out. It appears these are a means of laundering welfare checks. That, that may be a slight oversimplification, but hey, you, you check it out and you make the call, okay? Our quote of the day comes from Stephen Tyndale, former director of Greenpeace UK, who said, quote, It was kind of like a religious conversion, unquote, explaining in that that he and other leading environmentalists now back nuclear power because of the urgent need to curb carbon dioxide emissions. Our quip of the day, oddly enough, comes from a cartoon from the New Yorker magazine. Uh, aficionados of cartoons will note, of course, that the New Yorker over the years has been sometimes the mother load of great cartoons. And in this clip slash cartoon, we have St. Peter at the Pearly Gates looking down at a clown. He's got the bowler hat, he's got the flower and the lapel, got the bulbous nose, the bozo hairdo, etc. St. Peter, with a halo around his head, is looking down and says, Well, that was a birthday party the kids won't soon forget. Our stat of the day from the Chicago Tribune is that the median price of homes sold in Detroit last December was... Actually, what do you think it might be? 70000 50000 well, I wouldn't have guessed that the median price of homes sold in Detroit last December was $7,500. Our joke of the day, which was sent in by Jolaine, is as follows. 
And by the way, this was sent to her from Tasmania. Two Australian businessmen were sitting down for a break in their soon-to-be new store. As yet, the store wasn't ready. It had no stock, and only a few shelves were up. One says to the other, I bet any minute now some idiot tourist is going to walk by, put his face to the window, and ask what was selling. No sooner were the words out of his mouth when, sure enough, a curious Japanese tourist walked up to the window, had a peek, and in the thick Japanese accent asked, What do you sell here? One of the men then replied, We're selling jackasses. Without skipping a beat, the tourist said, You must be doing very well. You appear to only have two left. And I'd like to round out uh, uh, this segment with another little email sent to me by Peter, which tells the following story, which I think is somewhat appropriate for my recent trip. An investment banker stood on the pier of a Mexican village, a boat then docked with three yellowfin tuna. The American complimented the fishermen and asked how long it had taken to catch them. The man replied, a couple hours. The banker asked the fisherman why he hadn't stayed to catch more. The fisherman said he'd caught enough to support his family's needs. The banker asked, what do you do with the rest of your time? Well, I sleep in, play with my children, take a siesta with my wife, stroll the village each evening, sip some wine, play guitar with my amigos. The banker scoffed, look, I have a Harvard MBA. I can help you. You need to spend more time fishing and with the proceeds, buy a bigger boat. With money from a bigger boat, you could buy more boats. Then you'd have a fleet. Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you'd sell to the processor. Then you could open your own cannery. You'd control the product, the processing, and the distribution. You could leave this village and move to Mexico City and then New York. Fisherman asked, how long will this take? Maybe 15 years, he answered. Well, then what? The banker said, when the time is right, you'd announce an IPO, sell your stock to the public, and become rich. You could make millions. And then? Banker said, this is the best part. You can retire, move to a coastal fishing village, sleep in, play with your kids, take a siesta with your wife, stroll the village in the evening, sip wine, and play guitar with your amigos. Anyway, on a more serious note, uh, news items are noting that uh, the slumping global economy is slowing the amount of money that migrant workers send home to their families in Latin America and the Caribbean, and this is causing some trouble. Millions of people in this region do depend on uh, the money sent back to them from the U.S., and the drop appears to be about 13% in the last few months. Those economies have never been doing terribly well uh, in many cases, and and they're certainly not going to do any better with this news. I think we should do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for you. After an asteroid the size of a 10-story building whizzed past Earth at a distance of 44,000 miles, which is a pretty close call in astronomic terms. It's only twice the distance that our communication satellites are orbiting. Anyway, it's been noted that a similar-sized asteroid exploded over Siberia in 1908, 
flattened 500,000 acres of trees in about a one megaton blast in the air. So yes, it's a good thing that that just sailed on past recently. It was conversely a couple weeks back, a bad week for flesh and blood after a new study in Germany found that 84% of Germans in their 20s would rather do without their significant other than give up access to the internet. The young respondents explained that you can always find another man or woman to love, whereas life without the web is unthinkable. And finally, it was really an ugly week a couple weeks back for attention to detail. After Gainesville, Florida traffic officers wrote seven tickets for a BMW that had been illegally parked for two weeks. A neighbor finally called police, who found a dead body in the back seat. All right, we can't resist the week. Magazine's only in America file every so often. Uh, we, we can't resist this one anyway. Apparently, two restaurants in, in a Rhode Island food mall court are in a fifth year of a legal battle over the right to sell rice. Apparently, David Chu, owner of Cafe Cafe, says he pays extra rent to be, the mail, to, to be the mall's sole provider of white rice, which he calls the backbone of Chinese food. But Yogi Sood of Gourmet India says his lease allows him to sell basmati rice, a long-grain strain of white rice, which he calls the must ingredient of Indian cuisine. Legal fees for the men have so far totaled $250,000. And from the miscellaneous file, we have the news that apparently rapper Snoop Dogg has now joined the Nation of Islam. For his part, Snoop said he was doing what's right and representing what's right, and then he will use his influence to spread the good word of Louis Farrakhan. We have no way of confirming the rumors that his new name will be Snoop X. Do a little bit of follow-up on our obituary uh, a couple weeks back of the late Paul Harvey. Because I noticed in one of the obituaries something that I had sort of not mentioned when we talked about uh, Mr. Harvey was that he supported the Equal Rights Amendment and abortion rights, which certainly put him at odds with some of the more dyed-in-the-wool conservatives in this country. Paul Harvey was certainly not a guy that, uh, that, that, that I always agreed with politically, but in this case, I again, want to take my hat off to him. Anyway, in other news, I guess the Seattle Post-Intelligence uh, has gone off of being a published paper to, to a, an online paper and following in the wake of the Christian Science Monitor. One certainly hopes this does not happen to the Sacramento Bee or San Francisco Chronicle or, or for that matter, most of America's newspapers. Note of the Sacramento News and Review had some rather scathing things to say about the Sacramento Bee's online version, noting that, uh, and I think out of 25 different um, uh, online papers checked out in some recent survey, they rated the Bee's 25th. But even if it was ranked number one, I just don't think there's a substitute for a physical newspaper. I don't get this. Of course, newspapers were struggling, you know, before this economic crisis hit. Now they're really in trouble. I, I noticed looking like, for example, at our local paper, The Bee, the real estate section seems now to be rather like a pamphlet. But it is horrifying to imagine that a lot of this uh, economic growth, and that would be in quotation marks, of, of, of what 
have been taking place here in California have been based on our real estate bubble. As long as some idiot was able to get a piece of uh, farmland and build on it and make money, well, then they just kept destroying farmland here. This is this economic uh, downturn does give us a chance to pause, take a look at what we're doing here to California, and probably you know any jurisdiction with which you know you're hearing this voice, and reconsider what uh, you know a real estate boom can do when it's riding along unbridled. I'm looking at a Sacramento Bee right now and looking at the kind of advertising that's now filling up even like the first section. We've got a thing for joint pain pills. we got some idiot asking, am I crazy? I'm offering my $89 air conditioner for only $49. This is juxtaposed with a brain oxygen boosting miracle energizer. Clearly, uh, the advertisers, uh, you know, they're, we're working our way down the food chain here. I suppose it's only a matter of time before ads for the Sham Wow appear on page two of the B. And I do have to admit, Mr. McMillan gave me a Sham Wow to take on this trip. Thank you for that, Mr. McMillan. Yes, of course. I would like to note for the record, I was not impressed with the Sham Wow. I have to admit, I didn't test it by spilling Coca-Cola all over a rug. I just tried to use it as a towel. But no, I, I'm somewhat disturbed by what I'm looking at in, in, in the B. You know how those little little fold-over sections of paper they have like on the, on the comics? So you can't read the co comics without pulling out this little folded-over piece. Well, now I noticed in the first section they got one folded-over piece here for this ghastly company that tries to sell you air conditioning. You know, I, I just have a deep suspicion that people would spend gigantic advertising budgets. These same air conditioning people are always sending letters that look like they're handwritten. They, and, and it's like, it's written such a way, you think this is a personal letter to you, till you open it up and you find out, oh, they're at it again. Well, I'm, I've finally gotten wise after about the 10th one. But if your product is that good, should you have to keep pounding people with advertising? I, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, I welcome your opinion on that matter. So why don't you send it to us at info at radioparallax.com. I want to remind you that we always enjoy hearing from listeners. And if you have any such inclination, just take a minute and drop us a line. Let's take a moment and hear from America's foremost political comic, Will Durst. Thanks, Doug. And today I'm wondering, what the hell happened? I mean, come on, Barack Obama took office six whole weeks ago, and I look at the paper, and guess what? The war in Iraq still rages on. Global warming, continuing hotness. And in case you haven't noticed, the economy sucking pretty good right now. The hell is that? I thought we were in line for some change. You ask me, the major difference so far is Rush Limbaugh's head has gotten bloatier if that's even possible. It doesn't help that Mr. Smarty Pants President keeps talking about how this is going to take some time. Don't expect too much too soon. Oh, yeah, great change, but small change. Nickels and pennies and dimes. 
You know, I think I speak for pretty much all of us when I say this whole baby steps thing isn't quite what we had in mind. No, there was thinking more along the lines of something wonderful right away. Tall buildings being leapt in a single bound. Who can take a sunrise? Sprinkle it with dew. Cover it in chocolate in a miracle or two. It was all supposed to be sunshine and seashells and mylar balloons by now. And what do we have? Bailouts and bank failures and bedbugs. Have you heard this? Bedbugs are making a comeback. I don't remember anything about bedbugs. Wasn't there supposed to be some hitting of the ground running here? Unfortunately, the District of Columbia was built on a swamp. Hard to hit the ground running on a swamp. Not to mention all those potholes, barbed wire, and red tape that the opposition installed as welcoming gifts. So I guess the biggest change is our confidence. That change eventually will come. For Radio Parallax... I'm Will Durst. Always good to hear from Will. Let's take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. And after a break, we'll talk a little bit about some adventures way south of the border. 